And welcome to the David and Ronald Show podcast. I'm David. I'm Ronald. And we're excited for you to join us for our final episode of 2019. And we'll have brand new episodes next year in 2020. So we're recording this the day after Christmas. So how was your Christmas? Christmas was great. Um, Good food. Always. Great gifts. Always. Just time of family. Yeah, absolutely. And so do you have anything usually on Christmas Eve that you do in kind of preparation leading into Christmas Day? Really depends. I mean, it depends on how well prepared I was with gifts. I mean, this year, I pretty much got them all done probably a week, week and a half early. Got it all wrapped up, got it labeled, so I knew what I wanted to do already. So my Christmas Eve was pretty much just relax, chill, and get ready for the madness that comes on Christmas Day. Yeah, I mean, this year, uh, and I I don't remember if we talked about it, but I was traveling for about a week. I was down in Orlando for a while. And just vacationing. And so any like gifts that I had to get, I had to kind of get before I went away. And then after I got back, the problem was that anything that you need shipped, you know, I was just at that tail end of the worst time to order anything. So I was looking at like Amazon for some stuff and the shipping dates were like, oh, it's going to arrive on December 30th, after, way after Christmas. And so, you know, I had to change my plans and just kind of tweak what I was going to get people in terms of, of gifts. But in terms of Christmas Eve, what I normally do is I just was looking on TV for all the Christmas movies, like the really good Christmas movies. And there was one channel, I think it was on Sundance, that they were showing White Christmas all day. So I literally saw, I saw White Christmas in full once, and then I like saw pieces of it throughout the rest of the day. And that's something that I started watching last year. But I was really surprised this year. I was looking for Miracle on 34th Street, the 1947 version, and I didn't see it anywhere on tv this year no nope, i didn't see it either i only yeah. saw this newer version of it um, yeah that, that came out i forget what year it was probably the 90s or so yeah it was like 91 yep. um with the guy from the practice right exactly and they had that maybe twice right. throughout december but i didn't see the original version yeah i mean there was one year i forgot which station was showing it they were showing miracle on 34th street the 1947 version but they were showing it in black and white then color black and white color all day and it was like you right. go back and forth and you watch it. And, and it's a classic. It's a great movie to watch. But I didn't see it air at all this year. I might have missed it or maybe it was on a, on a channel that I don't have. But I didn't see it at all. I mean, I have the, I have the, the movie. But I you know, didn't have time to watch it this year. And then I think ABC, they usually show uh, Charlie Brown yep. Christmas, yep. which I, don't, I think I missed it. But I, you know, I have all these, you know, these Christmas favorites. But, you know, The Grinch That Stole Christmas, the uh, Dr. Seuss animation version, I did not see. Uh, I'm not sure if they did Frosty the Snowman this year. I know there was one channel that was doing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I think I may have seen Frosty Returns on there, but I don't remember if I saw Frosty the Snowman, which obviously is not the same. It's not the same. Frosty Returns was just bad. Yeah, they're they're like the two classics. And then I was up on YouTube yesterday, and I was looking at some of the uh, versions of A Christmas Carol. Because there are many different versions of it. There was one with like Patrick Stewart, which I saw, I think, like last year or the year right. before. Yep. So I watched that one. And then there are like the really old ones that are still like in black and white, which right. are really good because those are very traditional, classic. Yeah. And I think this year they came out with a newer version. I want to say it was Christmas Carol that they came out it, with a newer version know, again. They're constantly yep. doing like new versions of it. Yep. So you're, you're bound to find, like, another rendition yep. of it. Right. And, and the other thing, there was one channel that was showing, like, a lot of the old Bing Crosby 
right. Christmas specials that he had, which was good. I mean, I didn't get, uh, you know, I didn't have a lot of time to watch all of them, but I was like watching some of them. And there was like the one with uh, Robert Goulet. And it was always funny because, you know, the way I remember Robert Goulet was like in, you know, movies. Yep. And when he do like these strange characters, I think he was in The Naked Gun or right, one of the yeah. Naked Gun movies. It was like funny. Yep. So to watch him as a performer is great because he had, you know, when you go back to some of these old favorites, like these singers had that great voice. Like Perry Como had a unique voice. Andy Williams, uh, Johnny Mathis. Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, they all have this very unique voice. And so someone like Robert Goulet, he has this like deep voice, but he doesn't look, look right, like he doesn't he look that deep part. voice, exactly. but he has that great voice. Yep. And when they sing these Christmas favorites, it really, you have, it gives you like chills. Right. And you have that really great feeling of, of that time of year. So, so I really enjoy watching some of those old classics. And, you know, there, there are very few now in terms of new Christmas specials. Like for a while, Michael Buble had done a Christmas show like every year for, I think, three or four years. Yep. And he has that voice. He has that crooner voice that is like really great. Um, I know Martina McBride, she does like a Joy of Christmas tour, but yep. she hasn't done it here in New York. I don't think she's done it in New York yet. So usually it's like, you know, closer to where she lives in, in those regions. So it'd be great if, you know, one year... Uh, she comes. Yeah. I think there was one year that she did a special in New York, and I, we just didn't go. Okay. Um, or or I, I had found out. Yeah. Or I found out about it after the fact. Yeah. She has like an amazing voice as well, and so it's you know there are so many great performers who can do these Christmas classics and keep in that classic tradition. Yep. Uh, Leah Michelle from Glee. She released a, a new Christmas album uh, this year, and she has that voice. The same thing. She has a great voice. I was listening to that a couple of weeks ago. That was a really good uh, Yeah, album. exactly. It, and she did uh, three live shows in New York. And I initially was planning on, on getting tickets to one of the shows, but then it was like right after I came back from the trip. Right. It's like just everything's back to back, so it was yep. just impossible to to do that. Yep. So uh, speaking about that, you know, I was in Orlando. It's been about four years since I've gone, more than four years since I've gone to Orlando. So I was down at the Disney Parks visited the Kennedy Space Center and also Universal Studios. So when you're down in Orlando, that's really what you do. You go to the theme parks and, and you just have fun. And so, uh, you know, the last time I was down there in like 2015, it was around summertime, there were a lot of lands in both Universal and Disney that were closed. And also what used to be downtown Disney, there was a lot of construction there. And it's now called Disney Springs and it looks amazing. It's really great. It's much more upscale. It's nicer. It has a cleaner look to it. And it's very festive. And I've always wanted to go down there during the holidays to see what it's like. But like I mentioned to you, when I got back, the one thing is you could have all the Christmas trees and all the Christmas decorations and all the lights and the Christmas music. But when you live in the Northeast and you're used to the colder weather, not having that cold weather throws it all off. So like I was down there and I said, okay, I, I see the Christmas lights, I see the trees, I hear the Christmas music, but that feeling, that lack of the cold air. Right. It, I think it creates an artificial feel to yeah. it. And you're like, okay, it gets me there, but it doesn't quite get the mood to right. that level. And you remember there were a few years ago in New York, the temperatures were like in the 60s or so yep. or, or, or higher. And it was like really warm. And it's like that throws off Christmas. Whereas yep. this year we were, you know, even Christmas Day this year, it wasn't cold, cold, but it was still cold there's still yep. enough of a chill to make it feel like it and yep. you have that kind of cloud well christmas day was sunny 
Yeah. So I I think um, when I went to Disney, this was quite a number of years ago. uh, We were there when they were actually recording the the Christmas, the holiday parade, parade, pretty much. So we were on the parade route. Right. And we had no idea what it was. Like, what, what, what is this? And right. you see the Christmas trees mm-hmm. and all that. I was like, oh, they're recording for the yeah, holiday. The, yeah, the, Christmas that, the, yeah. the Christmas party that they're going to show on Christmas right. Day, you know, which we can talk later, which, you know, there's certain things about that party that bothers me <laughs> when they show it on TV. Yeah. Um, but I did get to see it live, which was actually pretty cool. Yeah. But I know exactly what you mean, that, you know, you go down there during that time, you see everything, it's all, you know, looks like Christmas, but essentially you don't, you don't have Christmas, right? You don't have that same feel, which is which is really interesting. So it, it throws you off. It, it really throws you off by not having that that same like the weather and everything falling into place. Yep. And so that was a little odd, but at least I got the experience. And for the most part, what was nice about going in December is it's not as hot. We did have a couple of days where it was like eighty plus degrees, so it felt like summer again. But then the rest of the time was in the in the seventies. There was also a lot of rain, so we had uh, like two or three days where there was like heavy downpours. There was one day that we were driving to um, Magic Kingdom, and all of a sudden we were driving. So we're I'm looking at the Weather Channel map. I'm not the one driving, but I'm looking at the map, and on on the map where you get the red areas, that's where like the, the severe weather is. Right. We're driving into the severe weather, so it's literally like whiteout conditions, and the car in front of us has their hazard lights on. We have our hazard lights on. Yep. And then there's a sedan that drives on the leftmost lane. And they're just zooming past. And they have nothing on. I don't there's always somebody. Yeah. There's always someone on the street yeah. like And we were that. like saying, look, you know, th- this car is going to get into an accident because they're just zooming right past there. Yep. And you can't see anything. So if you pretty much don't have, you know, a clear line of sight to the vehicle in front of you. And there were periods of time where if they didn't have their hazard lights on, you would not be able to see them. Because there was so much fog, so much rain coming down that it, you, you literally feel like you're not moving. And so we had to move like really, really slowly to get there. And then fortunately, uh, we got out of that because right. the, the storm was, I think, uh, moving west of us. And we were heading a little bit more, more east. And we got the clearing there. Right. But you had a good few minutes where you're just like, oh, yeah, my God. Exactly. I it's think like, I told you this happened to me when going up to Buffalo. We were driving. And it's the same situation. It just gets a whiteout condition. Mm-hmm. But you always have that one person who feels like they just need to, you know, rush through everyone. Right. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, thankfully, nothing ever happened. Right. But you know something's bound to happen yeah. one day. And we saw some uh, later on, some cars that were uh, parked on the shoulder because I think the rain got so bad. And right. even when we got to Magic Kingdom, we got to the parking lot, it was still raining. So we stayed in the car for probably another 20 or 30 minutes until that rain went by. And, like, you could see the pool of water outside in the parking lot. Right. So there was a lot of water coming down, and there was, like, another round of heavy rain. So we just waited. And there are people getting out of their cars and heading to the trams, and it was, like, pouring. It's like, we don't need to be soaked heading into to the Magic Kingdom. So we waited for that. But there was also, we spent one day at the Kennedy Space Center, and we couldn't do it as much as we did the last time we were there because it was the same thing. We didn't get to do the last time we were there. We didn't get to do the bus tour. And it's like a 40 minute drive on a bus that you go around the complex and you see some of the areas, you know, you, you don't have access to those areas. Like you can't get out of the bus and look because it, it's still a secure facility, but they drive you around and then there's like videos and then the driver, you know, explains stuff and you can take pictures and, you, you do have to know where to sit. So when, if, when you're on that bus, you want to be on the right side of the bus. So I was, on, you know, one of our friends, they said that you should be on the right side of the bus. 
And, you know, we were toward the end of the line heading on the bus, so it's pretty much what was available. So I was thinking, like, on the bus, I'm not going to be able to take really good photos or video because there's glass and it doesn't open up. So you can't really get a good, sh- good shot through there. So I just sat on the left-hand side. But I did capture some video, like, B-roll footage. So um, on the left-hand side, like, you did see, like, the SpaceX section and the Boeing section. But a lot of the other platforms uh, and the mechanisms that they use to move uh, the space shuttles and, and rockets now were on the left-hand side. So in retrospect, when I was looking through the footage, I noticed that, yeah, I didn't get a lot of that other footage, mainly because it was on the other side. But if you ever do that bus tour, and you should, you know, it's a 40-minute drive from the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Center to the Apollo Saturn V Center. And, you know, if you are going to be on that bus, try to be in the front of the line, try to get a seat on the right side because you'll have a lot more to see on the right side. But if you're going with a group and you want to take, you know, pictures and whatever, get some on the right, some on the left so that you can balance out your, your photos. But, it, I mean, it was a lot of fun. But So we did that. We went to the Apollo Saturn V Center, watched some videos, um, checked the complex out, and then, you know, when we done, then we, you know, got back on a bus to head back to the, to the visitor center. So once we got back to the visitor center, you know, we went to eat, and they started pouring. And it was like, okay, so now we had to cut the trip short because, you know, the rain was just going to be there for the rest of the day. And, you know, you couldn't go outside and take pictures, so I didn't get a lot of pictures of the outside area because when we got there we were trying the first thing our first priority was to get on that bus tour because they have set times and the last time we were there in 2015 we had just eaten and we weren't even done eating eating yet and the bus tour was starting so there was just no time to to do it so you have to kind of time out and come up with with your plan so this time it was let's do the bus tour first and then we'll do everything afterwards and so we got a chance to do that so so that was a lot of fun to do but we also spend time at the Disney parks. And like I said, there were a lot of lands that were closed last time. There's still plenty of lands that are closed. Like at Epcot there for 2020, they're building a section of friends for Ratatouille at universal. They're doing a, a, um, born identity attraction that will open in 2020. There's, I think also, I, I think it was magic kingdom where there's going to be a Tron attraction or something like that. So there's still a lot of sections that there are being done. Avatar, when we went back in 2015, wasn't open yet. They were still building it. And we didn't get a chance to go this time because it was like more than a two-hour wait to get in. And there was some other attraction that was like more than a two-hour wait, and we didn't get to do that. But we definitely wanted to go to Hollywood Studios, to the new Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and do the attractions there. Plus, we also booked a reservation to Savvy's Workshop where you can build a hand-built lightsaber. So that was like a, a really great experience. But... Uh, so the, the first day that we tried to do Rise of the Resistance, and that's the n- new attraction, opened like a week or a few days before we went down there. What happened was uh, the, we got there, and it was like 8.30 in the morning, and they already had signs out that said the boarding groups were all handed out. And you have to, get, you have to join a boarding group, and you can't, the way it works with the boarding groups is you can't join a boarding group until, you're, until you enter the park. And all the members of your of you know your group. So if you have like four people in your group that that want to do this, all those members have to be in the park, scan their tickets before you can actually join the boarding group. So if you're just yourself, sure you can just join a boarding group. But if you have like three other people going with you, then you and everyone wants to do the attraction, you have to add everyone to that boarding group. 
So that was the first thing you had to do. So that first day we went, we didn't realize that the park had opened earlier because the crowds were already there. So by the time we got there, all the boarding groups were handed out. And we were monitoring the next day that pretty much by, I think it was like 7.30, 8 o'clock, all the boarding groups were handed, handed out. So the, uh, we only had park tickets for like three days. So we used up our first day. So we decided on the next time we'd go, we were going to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning, get to the park by 5, wait on that line so that hopefully they'd open early again, like maybe about 6.30, and we would be able to get in. And the crowds were massive that morning. We got there, and we saw the cars. You know, from our hotel driving to, uh, to Hollywood Studios, we saw the cars in front of us. And it's like, those are not Disney employee cars. These are people who are thinking the same thing. And as soon as you get to the parking lot, everyone's racing because you have to go through security first. And if you have bags, they have to check your bags. If you have no bags, you can go through the, the line with no bags, go through the metal detectors, and then wait online until the park opens to scan your ticket. And when we were waiting, so you have where they scan your tickets, and then there's like this large section where you can wait, and then they have their archway, like the entranceway. And we were by that entranceway. So we were still pretty far off. But fortunately, we got in, and we are like boarding group 23. And they have like more than 100, you know, boarding groups. So boarding group 23, we, about two and a half hours into our stay there, we were able to get on Rise of the Resistance. And it's a lot of fun to do. It's very detailed, a de- detailed experience. Every experience is a little bit different because you're on a mission, you know, for the Resistance. And, and so they customize that experience a little bit. So it's a little bit different each time. But the general gist is, is similar. But it was a lot of fun. And then we were debating for our last day, our last ticket day at the Disney parks, whether or not we wanted to do it. Initially, said, we're not getting up at 4 a.m. again. And so we ended up getting up at 4 a.m. again, getting there even earlier because now on the news down in Orlando, they said the parks were opening, that park was opening earlier. And so now everyone knew that, that that's what the plan is. So we left even earlier this time. We still got up at 4 a.m. We left before 5 o'clock, and the lines were huge. And this time they... They didn't even open the security checkpoint yet. So those lines were long. The line for no bags was like running into to the, the driveway where the parking lot comes in. It's like, this is insane. But fortunately, we were able to get in, and we ended up this time being boarding group, uh, I think, 11 or 13. And within like a half an hour entering the park, we were on the attraction. But it was a lot of fun. It was definitely worth doing. But it was insane because... The day we flew out, we were up at 4 a.m., and then for two days on the trip, we were up at 4 a.m. So it was, it was really crazy. It was a lot of fun, but, you know, you're just exhausted. And when you go to theme parks, you know there's a lot of waiting. And fortunately, when you go in December, it's not as crazy as in the summer, which is the peak time, and the lines are really long, but it, w- it was still fairly long. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I think when you go on vacation, you kind of know what you have to give up. Yeah. You know, that's what I say to my friends, right? I'm like, okay, if you want to sleep, stay home. Yeah. Like, but sometimes you do have to wake up early or stay up later. But as long as you have fun. Yeah. And it sounds like you really did. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of really cool. Yeah. And you also see the difference between like Disney parks and Universal. Universal is like catered more toward like, like um, teens and and young adults. And Disney parks are like kids. So you got a lot of kids and, and it gets a little crazy there. So you have to kind of adapt to that. And so that's great. You know, the only thing at like Universal is they don't, they only have the two theme parks. You have Universal Studios and Islands of, of Adventure. Right. But there's always like fun things to do there as well. You have the Harry Potter attraction. Uh, we forgot that when you do the, the mummy 
attraction because I'm not a big roller coaster fan. Of the the four people in our group, only one person is like a uh, like a roller coaster person, and so they're able to do like the the you know the major roller coasters. Right. We just very minor. I mean, the last two times we went, we did um, the for like at Disney parks, we did like Everest, which is you start going up this incline, you, you right. drop. Yeah. And then we didn't do it this this time because it was just like a, a lot of jolting. But we forgot with the mummy at Universal Studios that that's a roller coaster. So there are some drops in there. And it's like he throws you around. So it's like, okay, we do it once. Okay, we're not going to do it. But the mummy one is a really fun one. It's fun. One. It's, it's fun. very fun. Um, you know, what? what is calmer for us is like if you do like the Tower of Terror, and you know, a lot of people will go screaming because you're like flying up your seat. Yes. And the thing about that seat is, yeah, you're floating up, you float down, but it's not like you float up and you like crash down and you like, you hurt yourself. Right. It's yeah. like you're on a on an air pill. So you fly up and down. And this time it felt, you know, the last two times we went, we kept on saying that, you know, I think like one elevator bank is more aggressive than the other, but it's like all automated. So it should pick it. But I think this time we went, it, it's been cranked up because it's like it drops you and, and throws you up and down more. And so it's insane. And we only did it during the daytime this time. We only did it once. But when we were there the last time, we did, I think, two times in the day and, a, and then one time at night. And there was one time we were sitting up front. And I can't remember if it was daytime or nighttime. But it's insane at night. Imagine you're sitting in the front row. It's nighttime. It's like you see the lights outside and you're being thrown up and down. And, you know, it's, it's insane. It's a rush, though. Yeah, you know. I mean, this time we were sitting in the back, so it's like, you know, even you if you're flying, yeah, yeah. You, you don't get that that concern. But if you're sitting all the way up in the front, it's like you're, re- you're, you're not really close to the edge. You're probably like 36 inches, 40 inches away from the real edge. So it's, it's not like there's that safety concern. But if you're not used to it, like you're not used to heights and, yeah. and that experience, it's different. And we did see there was some amusement park out in Orlando that we kept driving past. And it has like that large tower that... You, you literally, I guess it's like two people sit on the thing. I don't know how to describe it. You have seats on the outside. I forget what it's called. And you get strapped in, and it raises you all the way up to the very top, and then you go spinning. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, you know, that attraction. And I'm sure if I look it up, I'll be able to find it. Yep. But it, it's... Uh, I know but, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but you imagine the wind blowing at your face. It's a cold, yeah. you know, cold at night. And you're just spinning. In circles, yeah. Yeah, no, in circles, whatever. Off it's a like, wire. I think yeah. it's like a wire with a seat. Yeah, so think of like an umbrella, you, you know, like, keep, an, like yes. an umbrella and just elevation I know exactly you what you're spin. talking about, yep. And it's like, it's insane to, to be doing that. And there are some people who can do that. And it's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not one to, to it, want to do something like that. It's funny, when I was in Atlantic City, I think it was like a month or two ago, they have something like that, right, um, on the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. But with that, though, it's the same, same ride, right? But you're spinning. Except that that boardwalk because it goes out in the water. Yeah. So you're watching pretty much the water. So you're looking at boardwalk water, boardwalk water yeah. as it's spinning you around. Uh-huh. Now imagine if you're just thinking, "Oh my God, what if this like snaps? Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna end up in the water somewhere." Yeah. So when my my friends saw me looking at it, they like, "Oh, do you want to do that?" I was like, "No, <laughs> I don't want to yeah, do, do that." I was like, "I am more than happy to watch people." Yeah. But I will not do that. That just yeah. looks too crazy. Right. It's too much for me. Yeah. It was uh, like when we were in uh, Toronto um, back in i forgot when we went early in the year there's on top of the the cn tower you can um, pay for one of the attractions which is you get strapped in you walk to the edge and they take a photo of you like in a group of four or five people and we like had our cameras you know taking pictures of those people but i said i'm not going out there and doing that you know and like oh the wind's on your face and you can (laughs) feel that experience and you can look at everything from high up above it's like 
no, I really don't want to do that. Um, I mean, what we are going to be doing next year is we're going to, uh, down at Hudson Yards, they're opening up the edge, which is pretty much on the very top of one of the skyscraper buildings. They've built kind of like a glass um like a balcony experience. terrace yeah. type yeah. thing. Yeah, they can yeah. walk out and you're over, you know, I forget what the distance is uh, that you're looking from above and it's all glass. So it's everything surrounded with glass. So we'll be doing that next year. Uh, so that, that should be interesting. But that's, you know, even though, I mean, there there's a certain fear, like the, there are all the stories about like the glass bridges yep. or the glass walkways. And then there's, there's the, some where when you walk on it, it, it simulates a cracking and, and people get frightened by that. And there was one that actually had a real crack. And so they had to close it and, and check it and inspect it and make sure it was fine. So there is that, that fear that people experience. And, you know, I'm not fond of necessarily, you know, standing a, atop a building and just hanging out from there. But something like the Edge, for example, it's not, you don't get a lot of that in New York City. You, you can go up to the, like the top of, the, of One World Trade Center, to the observation deck, but you're indoors. If you go to the CN Tower and you get to the very top, everything is fenced off, so it's, you're not getting the full outside experience. So this is, I think, with the edge, I think it's still fully enclosed. I think the, the ground is all glass, but I think what's overhead, I don't, I don't remember if it's like a true balcony right. where you can, like, where the wind's on your face or if it's fully enclosed glass. I have to check that. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Was. I mean, looking, thinking about what the picture looked like, I don't right. think it was enclosed, but... It may not be fully accurate because, I mean, it's just a mock-up. It wasn't, yeah. I don't think it was the actual image of how it would look like. Yeah, let me let me go up there real quick and see what it is. Um, because it, it might be open. It might be an open area. Oh, no, it's an open area. They have glass panels, glass safety panels around the, the end of it. But above your head is all open. So... That'll be interesting because I wonder what happens in bad weather because they probably know, close it in bad weather. Yeah, because you can't walk on on uh, on a glass floor. Right. So Unl- unless they're hard. building something like a, a ceiling that closes. Right. But I highly doubt they're gonna spend even more money on that. Right. Right. Um, but yeah. So it o- officially, it opens March 2020, and you have to um, you do have to pay to to get on. You have to pay for tickets. Right. But I guess given that it's also glass, I don't know if that in the winter they're really gonna have that open anyway. Yeah, they they might not have. Uh, well, I mean, like it, it depends. I mean, I think if if the weather's good outside of it being cold, right. if the weather's good, they can probably open it. Yep. So yeah, it's a 360 degree views. You look a hundred stories down from the glass floor, so that should be really interesting. Um, yeah, you know, take pictures and and get the experience. You don't get too much of that in in the city because most of the observation decks are are indoors. And um, I mean, like the Statue of Liberty, you can go up. The problem is that when you go up the Statue of Liberty, it's very narrow. There's a narrow staircase, and once you get to a certain level, you really can't go back because there's no exit. Oh, no, yeah. I've done it before. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's not uh, something that you want to have to... Yeah, you have to walk very slowly, mm-hmm. very carefully. Uh, but yeah, it's very narrow, and that can get you uh, a little nervous. Yeah, exactly. Then so you have to go back down. Right, exactly. <laughs> and and you, you don't want to have to go through that experience. So the other thing I ended up doing was uh, Savvy's Workshop. And you have to get reservations for this as well, because it's all booked up. You, they let small groups in at a time. And what it is is you get to build a hand-built lightsaber. So it, it's not free. You still have to pay for it. So this is on top of your ticket price. So it's like $199.99 plus tax to build the, the lightsaber and go through like a 10 to 15-minute experience. 
but it's like one of those things where you know i i've always liked like hasbro they they make like the they used to make the uh, force fx lightsabers which apparently now you know what disney parks has some of those are actually the force fx lightsabers but not the ones at savvy's workshop so savvy's workshop what it is is that there's a plastic inner core and then you choose different components based on like a hilt theme to build to construct your hilt and those components are all metal so you felt it yep. so i showed you it when i got back you know that it it's pretty it's pretty heavy it's sturdy yeah so you have one hilt and then there are um different hilt themes there are four different hilt themes so they have like uh, peace and justice power and control elemental nature protection and defense and then you have the different components so you have four sleeves and you pick two of them two emitters you pick one two pommel caps and you pick one uh, two sets of ac- activation plates and switches and you pick one set and then once inside the workshop like they have the gatherers that help you construct it and so you assemble the hilt and then inside the hilt is a kyber crystal so they bring this big case with these kyber crystals all glowing and so you have like the red and the green and the blue and the purple. And you choose the one that you want. And you put your kyber crystal inside the hilt. And then the gatherers will come over and then they'll stick the hilt inside this machine, this mechanism, and they'll attach the blade to it. And then everyone will hold up their lightsaber. And it's pretty cool because the, the hilt is like 11 and a half inches outside of the inner core. Everything else is metal. So it's really weighted. So don't drop in your foot. If you've ever bought like the mag light flashlights, like the ones that use 2D batteries or 3D batteries, that's like the metal. That's heavy. So if you drop on your foot, it's going to really hurt. And then the, the lightsaber blade is 31 inches. So you have a pretty large lightsaber, and it lights up, and it glows, and makes all those sounds. And then you can go, there's a, a shop next door where you could buy like additional kyber crystals. So when we went to the shop the first day, the kyber crystals are like right near the holocrons that they're selling. So we saw a sign there that says 49.99. And so I'm like, I'm not paying 49.99 for a kyber crystal. And so like, you know, after we leave, like we're in the car, I think heading back to the hotel, and I'm like researching and they're like saying, "No, the kyber crystals are actually, you know, 12.99. It's the holocrons that are 49.99. And you can put a a kyber crystal in a holocron for them to light up and make noise." So like the next time we went to Hollywood Studios because we knew we were going back, we went and we bought some some of the kyber crystals. So I bought the red, the blue, and the purple. And you can switch them out and, you know, light them up. And it's really cool. It's really nice that you can do that. At that same shop, you could also buy pre-built hilts. So those don't disassemble. So um, one of our friends, they bought Darth Vader's hilt. And then you can choose from like a 31-inch blade or a 36-inch blade. So they chose a 36-inch blade. And the good thing is that, you know, if you're vacationing down in Orlando, you know that you, you have to bring this back somehow. So there are options to ship it, but we just, you know, the TSA, if you go up to the TSA site, they do talk about lightsabers and, and jokingly talk about it. And you can bring it aboard the plane as a carry-on or you can check in your luggage. And I strongly do not encourage you to check it in your luggage because you have to have it fully protected. I watched like a lot of YouTube videos before we went down there to see what other people were doing. One person bought, you know, um, uh, I want to say like uh, architects, they have that tube that they carry around with like their designs. So someone bought that tube and they put their uh, lightsaber blade in that and then use that as like the carry-on. And then the hilt is metal. So you can put that in your your checked luggage. But at Savvy's Workshop, after you build your lightsaber, you do get a, a padded bag. 
that is good enough to carry on the plane with you. But you have to make sure that there's enough space in the overhead cabinets because you don't want someone to... The other thing is that when you get on the plane, you have to make sure there's space in the overhead cabinet. And also, make sure that you're putting it on top of things or in front of them. Don't let someone put their bag on top of it because you're not going to come back with a lightsaber in one piece. So we were fortunate enough... The cabinet that was right above where our seats were initially was packed because someone put like a carriage in there, a foldable carriage. So we put it like further back because there was room and there was someone else, uh, some other person who was uh, vacationing down there. They had like built two lightsabers. You can only build one per person, per guest, who, uh, per reservation. But I guess they had someone else in the family who was building it. So we kind of put it in the back and then eventually the flight attendants came over and they, they told the person who put the, the stroller, the foldable stroller, in there that it had to go into the, you know um, the the checked right they, they, they yes. check yeah, in they store yeah. it for you right, right. Yep. so they had to do that so they took it out once they took it out then we were able to put our lightsabers in there safely and the cabin wasn't packed so it does fit in there you just have to make sure you put it in an angle and you keep it protected right but you know that was like the main concern is how do we get this back exactly um, so because you spent so much money on it right? yeah exactly and you want to get it back in one piece yeah. so it, it's not cheap but the kyber crystals are fourteen ninety nine each. And, you know, yes, it's, it's not the cheapest thing, but if you, you know, if you're like a avid Star Wars fan and you're into like the Force FX lightsabers, which weren't cheap either, they were over $100. And, but the quality of this lightsaber is a lot better because it has the metal hilt. It does have, if you were to build, like if you go down to Orlando, like you, if you're a resident of Orlando, you frequently go down and you make reservations, you could literally get all the different hilt components and make it interchangeable if you wanted to. So, I mean, at some point they may decide to just make parts available too. I think right now it's just early, so they want to, you want to get that experience. You don't want to give it away. But it was, you know, it was a lot of fun to do. Um, I didn't get any video of, of the experience because I was the one building a lightsaber, so it was, like, hard to do that. So you want to pay attention and, and make sure you're doing it right. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it, w- it was a lot of fun doing, and it was definitely worth it. Because, I, you know, when I go down to the parks now, I don't buy a lot of stuff. Like, I'm not buying stuff to give out as gifts. Yeah. Most no of the time, <laughs> yeah, and it's All like most basics. of the time, it's Everyone like you have keychains and magnets, yep. and I have so many t-shirts already that you know I have like brand new t-shirts I haven't even gotten to wear yet because I yep. have so many. So I didn't want to like get any of that stuff. Uh, worst case is like if it got really chilly, maybe I'll buy a sweatshirt down there, but it would probably be like you know use it only a couple of times down there because you know by the time we were ready to leave, it was like eighty-five degrees that that yep. that day. So you know I didn't want to buy like a lot of crazy crazy stuff and just leave it around and i don't have place to like show it off but the lightsaber is like that one one soft experience because when you go down to the to like orlando unless you live down in florida you don't go down there like every year so you know the first time we went down was like 2012 and then we went down like three years later and then now it was like four plus years so my guess because there's a lot of construction down there we won't be down there for like another four or five years so if that's the case you know this is definitely an experience to do and hopefully by then like rise of the resistance you won't have to get a boarding group in and they'll have fast pass and it won't you won't have to wake up at 4 a.m although i did hear that afterwards that they were moving the time back um to their regular opening time and they weren't letting people in early anymore so uh you know it, w- it was fun it was just a fun experience being down there yeah i mean i think with any of those after one year they sort of just get old for people yeah. i mean obviously some people haven't done it yet but they'll make newer ones, and that's where all the huge lines are at. So that in a year from now, that's probably not going to be 
as crazy. And like you said, they'll probably make that lightsaber thing available anyway. Yeah, the, 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 because the, at the end of the day, it's all about merchandise and getting it out there. Because if this, like, uh, the Rise of Star uh, of Skywalker yep. film is out now. But, you know, once that is done, that will, at least for the time being, be the end of the story for Star Wars until they decide to do something else. And I think J.J. Abrams has said that he's done with Star Wars, so he's right. not planning to do it anymore. Well, I mean, they're doing, like, The Mandalorian. Right. And all those little right. things for Disney now, so I'm sure they're going to bank off of that. Oh, yeah, they, you know, be, because they know it's popular enough, and if it does well, then they can continue to make right. money off of the merchandise and, and everything else they can possibly sell. So they have to continue to capitalize on that right now. Yep. But eventually, like, it, it will die down, and once it dies down, then you kind of lose that that motivation. It's like, you know, when Hasbro was making a lot of the lightsabers, it's like, when they tie it when with the movies coming out. And once, like, you know, George Lucas had completed, like, episodes one, two, and three, then there was this period where it died down. Now the Star Wars merchandise is kicking off. Again, I mean, the one advantage of, of you know, being part of Disney is that they can do the theme parks and they can do the attraction. But I think the, the one, the major downside is the fact that the storytelling is different because you're getting someone else to write the story. And there was something about, you know, the way George Lucas wrote the story, you know, four, five, and six, and then coming back around one, two, and three, it made sense. And you had that full feel of Star Wars. When, you know, I, I've watched like seven, episode seven, and it was like, the feel's not the same. It, it, it looks like it replicates like one, two, three, four, five, six. Right. But at the end of the day, it just, it's not a, it doesn't have the same feel that George Lucas, I would like to have seen what George Lucas would have come out with for seven, eight, nine. So, you know, unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever be able to do that, you know, unless we're going to say that seven, eight, nine is not part of the true Star Wars story. And George Lucas comes in and decides, I'm going to redo seven, Some eight, alternate nine. universe, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and do his own version of it. But, you know, it's, it's not going to, not going to happen. So, but I, I would have loved to see if there was going to be a seven, eight, nine, if George Lucas would have done what his story would have been for seven, eight, and nine. Yeah. I mean, well, in the news, they did say, um, you know, George Lucas had spoken to the different directors at yeah. that time that he gave them their ideas. It's just, right. they chose to go a different path. Yeah. And that's what he wasn't too happy about. Right. You'll probably see articles all. all yeah. I, I saw that. that. It was like at the beginning, you know, he was like a consultant and right. he was trying to share they, his thoughts on it. And, and, and they, they went a different wanted, direction. Yeah. Completely. They went a different direction. And that's why you feel that it went different because right. it did go differently. Yeah. Um, and I think with the last one, J.J. Abrams did try to go back to that again. Right. But unfortunately, you're too late now. Yeah. You, 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 you're you, already you two can't. movies in. Now you're right. trying to make it up in the last movie. Yeah. You're not going to do it. Uh, some of the spoilers were, and some of the reviews right now were not as great because they just feel that they overstretched the boundaries of the Star Wars uh, story and did things that made absolutely no sense whatsoever so i mean granted you know look it, it's a movie it's fiction you know science fiction but at the end of the day when you create a story you, you don't want to get outside of that realm unless you're starting again it's kind of like star trek with you know with, with the the new movies where and some of these other series like star trek discovery whatever they're kind of taking it from a different universe of star trek but yet kind of linking back and paying tribute to the original. And so if I were to watch Star Trek, I would want to stay within the realm of what I know, which is, you know, the story. And even like uh, like when they came out with Enterprise, for example, it it's supposed to be within that realm, but I think you gain different people to 
put it all together and it travels differently. It, it the flow's not there. Whereas when you had the original Star Trek series and then they moved to the next generation. And then with the next generation at the beginning, they're kind of paying tribute to the classic Star Trek and then evolving the characters and the storyline to modern day. And then you had DS9 and then you had Voyager and then you had all the, the Star Trek TNG movies that all fit within the realm and it made sense. So, you know, that was fine. But then you start jumping off with some of the others and like the, the effects now, like the special effects and it like throws you on. So wait, this, it doesn't fit in that realm. And I get that you're trying to use the latest technology and you're trying to tell the story differently, but it just kind of throws things off. And that's at least how I feel with it. I mean, others will say, yeah, we don't care. It's like, it's Star Trek. Star Trek is Star Trek. And it's not. It's like, you know, I want to be part of that story, that realm. And when I watch the other ones, it's like, it's, it's nice storytelling, but it, it just, it's a different path. It's like that alternate universe, that alternate reality that they're telling the story. Yeah, I mean, I think certain shows should just be left alone. They yeah. shouldn't try to bank off that name, mm-hmm. and that's what I feel everyone's always trying to do now, right? You bank off of that popular name, and then that's how you're going to make it popular. But I think we've seen that that doesn't always work out. No, it, do, it doesn't always work. Um, something else when we were down at, at uh, Disney, when we went to Disney Springs, is I went to see Jumanji The Next Level, which, uh, you know, I saw the original Jumanji with Robin Williams, years ago so i don't remember the full story and then i think i saw parts of the new jumanji with like dwayne johnson karen gillen uh, jack black kevin hart but i never saw it in full so watching you know jumanji the next level the great thing was that you know you don't need to have watched the first movie you know to understand the characters a little better you probably need to see the first movie but you didn't really need to see the first movie to watch the second one and i have to say that you know, not watching the first movie, in, you know, in its entirety and watching the second movie, it was just, you know, I got the story and it was very funny. That, that was the, the, the great thing about it. And uh, so that was, that was definitely a different experience. And we were like at an AMC with like, you know, all the, the, the comfy chairs that vibrate, you know, when, when, and I haven't gone to see movies in, in many years because one is that going to a movie theater and watching a movie now is so expensive. I mean, some of, you know, I was looking at it like for uh, Rise of Skywalker, just, you know, since it's the final movie. And like I said, I only watched episode seven. I didn't watch episode eight. And so I was thinking, well, maybe just out of curiosity, you know, watch this movie and see what it's like in the theater. And I was like looking at pricing at different theaters. And it's like, you know, it's like anywhere between 18 and like $25, depending on the, the type of movie and even more. And it's like, I remember back in the day when, you know, movies were like 7 or $8 or, or even cheaper. Yeah, but now there's the custom experience of yeah. what type of seats do you want? You know, do you want uh, the vibrating seats? Yeah. Do you want to be able to eat in there? Right. Or they bring you food and all that? Right. Do you want um, seats that are predefined? Mm-hmm. You know, so you have s- such a selection yeah. of what you can do now. Right. And that's why it gets so expensive. And, but then once you do that, you don't want to go back to the, to, to the, the old, old way, yeah. right? Because you're so spoiled by this. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've been to like one of the IPIC theaters, you know, to watch a movie. And, you know, you have comfortable seats and it's a different experience. And like the food is no longer the traditional popcorn, hot dogs, you know, French fries, things like that. Everything has to be like, you know, higher end now. Like right. you can get sliders now and you can get truffle fries and, you know, all, all this high end stuff. So it, it was different. It's a different experience. So I get that. But it's like at the end of the day, I'm still watching a movie for like, you know, and, and you know that as soon as this movie 
has run its course in the theaters. It's going to now be out on like DVD, Blu-ray, digital, and then right afterwards cable. Right. It's it's going to hit the markets very fast. It used to be a year before it would hit the, the right. markets that exactly. way. And now it's like, you know, okay, the movie has run its course after three months. Month four, it's now out. I mean, especially with digital media, right? Yeah. I mean, you can just access that immediately. So right. why not take advantage of it when it's fresh in people's minds? Those who don't want to go to movie theaters and... Yeah, there are a lot of reasons, other reasons, not just pricing, that people don't right. want to go to movie theaters. It's about cleanliness. Yeah. There's been a lot of bed bug issues. Mm-hmm. But really, with those older movie theaters that use the fabric seats, yeah. you know, you're like, it's not really that clean. Versus the ones where you pay more and those right. are the other seats. You know mm-hmm. they're going to take care of that. Right. They have to because they Or at least you hope they that. would, yeah. Right, exactly. There's some way that that's cleaner but more right. expensive. So, yeah, more people are going to end up watching it at home. With I'm sure a lot of people bought big screen TVs now. Yeah. And everything. So you have your own entertainment center. Why not watch it at the comfort of your own home? Right. And especially, you know, now that we're heading to the end of the year, you're getting to the end of the NFL season. So, you know, next thing is the Super Bowl. So people are going out. And every year you're going to see right around in January, people got the big screen TVs because they have their Super Bowl parties. And, and also, you know, they get into that time where, you know, they're getting their you get into taxis and they're hoping that they're going to get a tax refund. So I buy the big screen TV now that's on sale, especially, you know, Post Christmas sales. Yep. That, End of year sales. Yeah. yeah. So you know the stores need to clear this, and they also have to. They need want to boost their their sales figures before the end of the year because this is also the the only time of year when they can really get that final push in. Because after that, you know their season is done, and so if you didn't do well at the end of the, end of the year, it's you know it's it was a bad year for you, and then they start again. And you know most people come January, February, the first quarter of next year. You're not spending money because you've spent all this money on gifts and travel and, and this and that, that when you get to the, the first quarter of the year, it's like, okay, now it's back to saving. Now, you know, I don't want to spend any money because I need to save because come spring, now I'm planning my, my spring summer vacation and I need to have money for that. So it, it's, a, you know, it's a, a juggling act to do that. And there's also no guarantee that you're going to get your tax refund, you know, get a tax refund because the, the tax laws have changed over the last couple of years. I mean, starting with 2020, they have a new W-4, which is your withholding form. And the old withholding form, it's like you just uh, put in the number of allowances and, and that was it, how they calculate tax. Now the form is completely different for 2020. So it's not based on allowances now. You're really kind of calculating like what your income is going to be and how much you should pay in taxes. And then that's broken up across you know, the year. So if you have to change your W-4, in 2020, it's going to be that that new form. So if you need to change it, you know, if you want to stick to the 2019 form, you know, you, you want to do it now before the end of the year. Uh, there, I mean, there there are a handful of people who in 2020 have to usually like if you're exempt from from um, taxes, then I think you have to to do a new W-4 in 2020. Um, but outside of that, it's like most people probably won't change anything. And I mean, that's the other part when you get towards your end is that there are certain things from a tax perspective that that you want to keep in mind. Uh, Number one is if you work with like a tax professional, you should probably be talking to them now to just, you know, have them take a look at where you are. And this applies to both business and and individuals. If you work with a tax professional, you might want to just make sure that you're on the right track for closing out the year and that, you know, you're not going to owe more taxes like, for those people, like if, if you just make W-2 wages, so you're on payroll and your taxes are deducted each pay period, it's not you know going to be as big an issue because your taxes are being withheld. The only big issue is if your taxes, 
if you didn't have enough taxes withheld. But like for freelancers or like contractors who they don't get taxes withheld and you have to pay your own estimated quarterly tax payments, you should be working. If, if you didn't get that computation done yourself, you should be talking to your, to your financial uh, professional, to your accountant, your CPA, whoever pre- prepares your taxes, just to make sure that you're where you need to be so that you've paid all your, your, your taxes or at least what you need to pay so that you're not penalized next year when you do your, your tax returns. And, you know, the IRS has, like, guidelines on how to do that. But, again, you should talk to your tax professional as to what you need to do about that. But then the other thing, like we were talking about, like the W-4 next year, is that if you're not withholding enough taxes, then you want to make sure that you make that adjustment. And usually your tax professional should tell you that so that you're not paying more, you know, at the end, at the end of each year in, in taxes, you know, during tax time. So you really don't want to be paying a lot of taxes. So that, that's the other thing that's so important at the end of the year is to just to plan these things out and also to gather, you know, I always do this. I have a checklist of things that I make sure come end of the year that I'm looking out for so that in January these certain things come. Like you want to make sure your W-2 comes in on time so you can do your, your, your tax returns. You want to know what your deadlines are. So most people are, you know, individuals are April 15th. Um, if you're like um, LLCs and like S-Corps, it's March 15th, you know, those deadlines. You want to make sure that if, let's say, you put money into an individual retirement account, that you remembered how much money you put in. Your max for 2019 is $6,000. So, because that's going to be a deduction. You know, it's going to be a tax deduction. So, you want to take that into account. If you contributed to 401k, you want to make sure that, you know, you didn't also contribute to an IRA for the purposes of, of taking a tax deduction, especially if it's a traditional IRA. So, you know, I've, you know, police that very closely because, you know, I, because I have money in an individual retirement account that I can't participate at the same time in a 401k because I can't get the deduction twice. I can only get it once. So you don't want to get penalized uh, for something like that. And then you also want to look at other things. Like if you have interest income and you're making a lot of interest that you make sure you, you, you get those um, 1099 INTs and you gather all those documents because it, look, if you do your taxes yourself and you use like TurboTax or H&R Block software or any of the, the, the tax software that's out there, you just want to have all, all your documents together so that at tax time you can just kind of prepare everything. If you go to a tax professional, and I hear these stories all the time that people are going to tax professional, they don't have their paperwork with them. So they're missing things and so they can't get their taxes done on time. And then they have to file an extension and this and that. And so you want to just kind of gather all your documents and build a checklist of everything that you should have. And that way, when the time comes, you're just kind of running down your checklist. And like I said, I, I do the same thing. I keep a checklist of all the different documents that I'm expecting to get come January or early February so that I know that when, I'm, when it's time to prepare you know, my taxes that I have everything with me so I'm not hunting for, for papers. And if you're... If you're individual situations more complicated like let's say you're like a business owner and you own like a limited liability company or an s-corp and you also get like your your k-1s then again that's something else that you have to pay attention to is okay in order for a k-1 to be generated your company tax returns have to be generated first so and in order to do that you have to provide your financial information to your accountant so everything you, you want lined up otherwise you know, you're going to be in a situation where you're never going to be prepared. And so I always encourage a tax time. And, 
you know, the disclaimer, I'm not a CPA, I'm not an accountant, but I've gone through the process enough to say that, you know, be sure you're prepared as you head toward the, the end of the year because this is the time you want to prepare. You want to make sure you have everything ready to go because come January, most of the time, it's your W-2 you're waiting for, it's your 1099s. Um, if you have any miscellaneous income, your 1099 miscellaneous documents, your 1099 INTs, your 1099 divs for any dividends that you receive, you want to just have that all lined up so that if you go to an accountant and, and when you prepare your taxes, you want to try to go early too once you have everything. And the reason for this is tax season is busy for accountants. It's busy for tax professionals. Even if you go to like a local H&R block uh, store that, that's open that does your, your taxes, that prepares your tax returns, you want to get that stuff early. Then you can't go too early because the IRS and your individual state won't start accepting returns until a certain date. But you just want to be prepared so that when you go in there, you have everything and you're not kind of, you know, uh, fidgeting through papers and, and hunting. You know, uh, they used to show in movies like people keep all their receipts in shoeboxes, for example, and then everything's just chaos. And, you know, it, it will be chaos and you're not going to be prepared and you may not get all the maximum deductions that you're entitled to. And like I said, you know, the tax laws have been have been changing. The rules have changed. And so you want to make sure that you are getting your maximum deductions and if you are supposed to get a, a return, that you're getting the maximum possible. So you just want to be prepared. So that's kind of just like a little PSA as we're, as we're at the end of the year. So speaking of end of the year, you know, we are reaching the end of 2019, the end of the year, the end of a decade. So what's your outlook for 2020 at this point? What, what do you see, you know, in the horizon for next year? Do you see like any major changes? Do you... Are there any things that, that you're looking to do or accomplish? I mean, I don't make, like, resolutions. Um, some people do. I, I just don't bother making them. I just set objectives for myself, and I just run with it. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm the same, right? I mean, there are a lot of things that you want to do, but then you end up not being able to do it because you don't know what's going to come up. Right. Just, you know, that come up with family, friends, or work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think one thing, and I think I was talking about this, um, is, you know, about looking at your own health. Right. Um, and this is something that I just recently did where you yeah, haven't gone to a doctor for a while, did a physical, um, got my flu shots, slowly taking care of myself because over the last year I've been working a lot right. and I haven't been focused on that. So when I got sick, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just take your basic meds. It eventually goes away, but you do need to focus on that. And I think that's where I'm going to focus on for next year, just getting myself back on track mm-hmm. with my personal health. Not right. that anything's bad, right. but you just want to make sure that you're in line for everything. Right. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, did you get all your shots? Do you have your booster shots and things like that? Um, so that's the major focus for me to look at. Obviously, there's not a lot to do. Right. But, but it's, but it's important. Know. It's right. very important. Exactly. And um, since I just did my physical, I'm going to get my results in two weeks or so. Right. You know, based on that, that'll drive what I need to do. Maybe right. there is a change in my lifestyle right. or anything like that. But I like to focus on that. And, you know, work is important, yes. But you also have to remember about yourself, too, that you just have to take that time and care about yourself. And I think that's something that I haven't done probably right. over the last couple of years just because of focus. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's what some everyone else should also do, too. Right. You know, don't take everything so seriously, you know, in your life, in work. Because, you know, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Right. Your first priority. And it's funny that you, that you mentioned that because I, I'm actually um, writing a blog post right now. I started writing it 
which uh, is about what your first priority is. And the first priority is taking care of yourself. And one of the things, the mistakes that I made for many years was that for, I think, the first 12 years uh, of working is that I wouldn't take a vacation. And I, I touched on this the last episode where um, majority of the, the time that I've worked in, in the past 20 years, I've worked by myself. You know, I, I've had, you know, for a period of time, I did have, you know, uh, a team that I worked with, you know, departments uh, that oversee different areas. But in terms of like what I do, my particular functions, I never really had like full coverage. So if I was away, there wouldn't really be anyone to cover what I do. So in, you know, the first 10 or 12 years, I really didn't take time off because one was the nightmare of coming back. And, you know, if you're gone for a week, all the work that needed to be done is just sitting there. You have to pick up on that plus everything else that you need to do. So I didn't want to deal with that nightmare. But then the other thing was just the, the fact that, you know, it was just that common, that, that constant commitment to just wanting to, to get things done. And it wasn't a, like a job security issue, you know, worrying about, oh, you know, if I take too much, you know, if I take time off, it, it's bad or whatever. It was just, you know, just focus on, on getting work done. But, you know, I realized over the last two decades that the mistake was not taking time off, not focusing on both physical and mental health because you do wear yourself out. You know, you do get tired, you do get exhausted, you lose your focus, you lose your desire to be able to do anything else. And in the last four or five years, you know, just this push for me to redirect focus on doing other things, taking time off, focusing on my own personal health has been extremely important. So just for example, you know, even if I take, you know, a couple of days off, not checking work email, not focusing on what's going on at the office because it's going to be there when I get back. I'll deal with it at that point in time. Or just like my recent trip to Orlando, um, you know, I, when I was leaving, I said, I'm not going to check any emails, any work emails this time. And then just out of habit, I started checking. So, I mean, the good thing is that I cleaned up probably a couple hundred, you know, uh, spam emails that I didn't need anyway. But, you know, I also, the rest of the time, didn't focus a lot of time on what was going on at work. Or responding because I used to do that. I'm on vacation and I would respond to an email because a question came up and it would be, you know, oh, when you get back and I would just respond to it immediately. So I've, I've changed my direction from responding that way, unless it's like something, uh, something critical, really something critical. critically urgent yeah. that has to be responded right. to. I get that. Yeah. And if that's the case, I'll get a phone call. Yeah. But other than that, like I, I'm, I, I've moved away from focusing my attention there. Also, just at the end of the day, after leaving work, just disconnecting from work, not not focused on what's going on at the office anymore because I need to do that. I should be doing that. Right. On weekends, same thing. And finding things that I enjoy to do, you know, and that, that's kind of where, you know, building out my own website, creating these videos, working on this podcast, just doing other projects that make me happy, that I enjoy doing, that's become a bigger focus of mine because what ends up happening is, you're just so focused on just work that you wake up every morning and you're so tired. You have no energy. And that begins to affect you both physically and mentally. Where, like, I, I would, you know, get up in the mornings and I'd be just so tired every day and just have no energy whatsoever. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong. It's like, am I sick? Am I this? And, you know, what's going on? And then, you know, when I would go away and, and disconnect, I'd be fine. So, for example, I was, you know, down in Orlando, we 
woke up like 4 a.m. several times. Now I was tired, but I wasn't it's like... a different tired, yeah, though. Yeah, it was a different tired versus exhausted. when I think about like, you know, uh, just focused on work and spending, you know, 10 hours a day and uh, doing stuff and being in the office and things like that. Yep. I would just be completely drained mentally, physically. And just knowing the difference between sleepy tired and just having your whole, everything, every Completely bit of energy drained, drained yep. from your body. And so coming to that realization, it was like, I need to make changes. And so, you know, I started to now, okay, you know, and that's my first real vacation was my first trip going down to Orlando back in 2012, where it was like, okay, I can, I'm going to go away for a week and I'm going to enjoy myself. And that was a hard trip because it was the first time traveling uh, for a prolonged period of time. And also we were doing Orlando. So waking up early and standing in long lines and standing in the heat. And so that was brutal. But looking back from there to where I am now, going on trips and now really spending the time to, it doesn't take me like half the vacation to relax. I'm pretty much once, you know, that last day of work comes and I'm ready. I'm planning to, yeah, I, I turn everything off, yep. the work stuff off. And it's like, I'm in vacation mode. And even on the plane, it's like just finding things to do. When, when we were going down to Orlando, for example, I had Christmas music playing. I couldn't find a single movie to watch. Right. And we kind of circled back to what, how we started this. I couldn't find a single Christmas movie to watch or, or Christmas show. So I just played Christmas music. And I was just relaxing. And also, you know, I woke up at 4 a.m. So I was like, you try to get some rest because the rest of the day, we're just going to be hitting the parks. Right, and exactly. we're going to be having fun. So hey, As long as you get in your own zone, right? And even going to, you know, getting away from work, you don't have to take a vacation. Right. Even a staycation. Being yeah. at home, relaxing. Th that's fair, too. That's what I've done um, for a couple of days here and there where you just stay home, relax, get some stuff done at home, clean up. That could be your relaxation. Just oh, absolutely. Staying away from the email. Yeah. You know, unless someone calls you, if there's something urgent, sure. But stay away from the email and just focus on yourself and do what makes you happy. Yeah. And it just takes you out of that zone. Right. And that was part of my plan is if I had not, you know, had this Orlando vacation, I would have taken, you know, like a week off or a week plus off in December just to do that. Have a staycation and just get stuff done and, and just enjoy the season. Because it's the holiday season is like one of the, the best times and, and the most enjoyable times for it me. It comes and goes when it you're comes, too yeah. busy at work. And exactly. that's when you know it's bad. Because when you're like, oh, wait, how's it Christmas already? Yeah. I didn't even get time to do this. I didn't get time right. to do that. I want to do this and do that. That's because you just got so occupied yeah. in that world. Right. And you didn't give yourself that time to do what you want to do. Exactly. And we're just counting the days you know, left in 2019. There aren't that many days left in 2019. And soon it'll, it'll be 2020. Decade. And yeah, new decade, a new year, and we're just going to start that cycle again. So it's it's focusing on yourself. So that's really the key. Your first priority needs to be to yourself. You need to find ways to, to you know, create a discipline and put more attention on taking care of yourself, both physically and mentally. And you hear this a lot, but, you know, we can't reiterate it enough that that's so important. And sometimes, you know, yes, we get stuck in doing something because we're comfortable or because it feels safe. And you also need to explore other things that, that you enjoy doing. Uh, you hear a lot of people finding side hustles. And it's because, you know, they're, they're, one, they enjoy doing these other things. Two, they're, ex they're experimenting to see, is, there s is this something they can do, you know, full-time, long-term, and use that to make a change. And I strongly encourage that, that if, if whatever you're doing now, 
you can always be doing more. And if you feel you can be doing more, you can definitely do more. You just have to encourage yourself and you have to push yourself to do it. You know, I said this a few podcasts ago that I've wanted to build like my own website and, and you know, write a blog and, and do a podcast for years. And then I found all these excuses for why I couldn't do it, you know, and, you know, part of it, you, you have to, you know, dedicate time to learn these new things and, and whatnot. And then just in the last few years, there were a series of events that really forced me to have to look at other possibilities. And so, you know, I started doing it, you know, and it was fun. It was enjoyable. And now I, you know, I love doing it, continuing to expand on it. And that's the other thing is, you know, I don't keep it, you know, like isolated in a little pod where, okay, now I've, I've gained some mastery in this stuff and okay, I'm good now. No, I'm, I'm expanding on it to, to do more things and to do other things. And it's because it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's something that for me helps me both physically and mentally to, you know, relax, to get away from everything else that's going on around me. And that's so important. So it's taking care of yourself and it's not necessarily, uh, yes, eating right and, and, exercising and doing all those things and, and making sure that, you know, you're physically well is one thing, but also just being able to make sure your mindset is positive and that you're happy doing what you're doing. And if you're not happy, then making changes so that you can become happier. And it doesn't happen o- overnight. You know, it takes many years to slowly build it, but you will see the rewards of that as you start doing it more. And I think we, we've started to see that as well as we kind of explore other possibilities you know, the things that we do. You know, something else that, you know, thinking about this trip to Orlando is that I noticed that LTE service was like really bad down, down there in some areas. And I mean, you know, I've traveled to like, you know, I had a road trip a few years ago to like Arizona and, and through Nevada and, 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 um, and Utah and Las Vegas. And it was like, you know, there I get, there was some choppy service, and they, they said it, but, like, in an area like Orlando, I wouldn't think that it should be that choppy, and, like, people who well, live down in Florida... Was it everyone having that, or is it just you? Um, I had... Uh, everyone had some level of that, and I don't okay. know if, like, maybe if you're in the park region that everyone's just swarming the LTE bands, and it's, like, just overwhelmed. It could be, because everyone's condensed in there, right? I mean, every, everyone has a phone. Yeah. At least one. You know, a lot of people have two or mm-hmm. multiple devices that, that use that. So I think it's because it's condensed and probably if you're, was this inside building specifically? No, or it, outside? it was outside yeah. too. I mean, there were only a couple of areas at like the Disney parks and at Universal where I got like strong yeah. normal signal. And even like in New York, for example, like we've said before, like there are parts of, you know, you can be standing on a, on a section of Park Avenue and all of a sudden your LTE service yeah. is like really bad. So, you know, but it was strange because most of the trip, it was like, it was really bad. And it was really slow service. Yeah. And, you know, hotel Wi-Fi, I don't like using in general, but, yep. you know, it's just as slow unless you pay for like a premium yeah. uh, service. So it, w- it was hard because it's like, it forces you to disconnect more. Yep. But it's also like, you know, if you need maps to show you where to go, it was and That's rough. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, this time though, I, I did bring, you know, I have a Garmin GPS. So I did bring that in case we needed it right. for the car. Because I was thinking, like, well, what if LTE is, like, really bad and the maps don't update? Then uh, you need that. When we went to Toronto, uh, we didn't bring a GPS, and we were trying to use our phones, and it was not a good idea. Because the problem is that you just could not get a solid signal in some areas. And it was like, I think there was one night that we were driving. It was like, okay, this is not good. 
uh, it was uh, we were at Niagara Falls on the Canadian side. Yeah. And we were driving back to uh, t- Toronto, and the problem was that yeah, the, the GPS was not on the phone; just wasn't kicking on. And it's yeah. like it's nighttime; everything looks different. It's like a harder to figure out where to go. Absolutely. And so you you don't want to run into that experience. I know what that's like. I've yeah. been I've been out there and in the dark and not fun. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely not fun. We actually had well, this was at at that time when uh, my friends were still in Buffalo you know, yeah. back in college. Of course, back then what we did was we printed all the maps ahead of time. Yeah, you know, plus the directions just in case. Mm-hmm. You know, phones weren't as advanced as they are today, obviously. Right. But our idea at that time was, you know, just print everything out. That way, even if there's nothing, yeah, at least you have a a printout. You have a physical map, and or you, you buy can just a match streets. Yeah, ex- exactly. You know, that's the best thing to do. Right, and. You just never know when you're traveling. You always have to have some backup plan right. that reception may not yeah. be the greatest wherever you're going. Yeah. Well, I think I told you this story once. Uh, I went down to West Palm Beach once in, in Florida. And so before I went on my trip, I had updated my GPS, not realizing that the update screwed up. So my GPS didn't work. So when I had gotten down there, I was using my, my GPS to get to the hotel I was staying at. And I knew it was like a 15-minute drive from the lot. And so I plugged in the, the address and like 30 minutes later, like I'm still going in circles. Like this is wrong because I know it was 15 minutes. It's like, what's, and, and didn't plot it correctly. So the entire trip, you know, I was going to, to drive to other places down West Palm and I couldn't drive anywhere because the GPS didn't work. I didn't have anything for my phone. So it's like, you know, the day I was heading back to the airport, I literally had to look at the map, figure it out where I was going to go. And I kept my phone, you know, in the seat, in the passenger seat near me. Right. But I didn't have like a mount or anything. So I just had it sitting there in the event I needed it. But it was like, it was telling me like make a left turn out of the hotel into like this roadway, which is like, why, why would you send me there? Because when you're in, in West Palm, there's the A1A. It's like the one main roadway that takes you everywhere. It's like, <laughs> if I just drive up this way, I'm on the A1A. That's all I have to do. Right. And so it's giving me like bad directions. So like, you know, forget it. I'm not, I'm not even going to trust the map. I know where I have to go. It's like, it was just a straight line, literally a straight line. And then you, then there's an exit somewhere. And then you exit there and you're on your way to the airport and it's like, you know, okay, I'm just going to do that. Well, I mean, I guess in a way, right, uh, smartphones you know, have kind of reversed everyone's minds yeah. now, right, where it's a lost art of reading a map. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you actually took a old yeah, school map, almost don't plotted do your directions like you yeah. said, and did it? Because with GPS, with right. your phones now, you're able to do all that. Yeah. It tells you turn left, turn right. right. This, Even for that. walking, right? You know, I've, I, yeah. I'm guilty of doing that because it is an area I haven't been to yeah. in a long time. I just haven't been to. I'm like, wait, where am I going? But sometimes it leads me the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to, you know, spin your phone so you get you get north is north and south mm-hmm. is south, yeah. and it's reversed. But I've had so many times where I've walked the opposite direction. Yeah. I'm like, wait, this is not correct. Well, you you remember this was a while ago. We were at a uh, at a Mets game once at, uh-huh. out at City Field, and yes. we were coming back on the seven <laughs> train. And something happened. So the seven train uh, mechanical failure, yeah, some mechanical yeah. failure. So we had to get off like before we got back into Manhattan, and so uh, and it 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 shouldn't have happened anyway because we should have been able to leave earlier. But we were at this Mets game. I forgot what the game. I don't think it was a Subway Series. It wasn't. No, no. it was some game, and um, it was like bad weather, so it got delayed. But they didn't tell everyone until like eleven thirty at night or something like that. Yep. Like late. <laughs> That the the that they were going to just pretty much uh, uh, suspend the game, and then you could trade in your tickets, you know, for the for one of the other games. So you know, we're on the seven train, and it stops, and it hasn't even taken us back into Manhattan yet. And they tell you like you have to get out of here and get out of the station, and then go to like a, an adjacent, you know, uh, to catch a different train. 
And so back then, I remember I had a BlackBerry, and the BlackBerry maps were, like, horrible. They, they didn't work. And this is, you know, before BlackBerry was run. This is when BlackBerry was still owned by RIM, and they had their own BlackBerry OS. So the maps were horrible. GPS didn't work. And we're trying to use that map to find the subway station. And you couldn't get it. And it was raining that day, too. And it was, like, just terrible. And we had low battery. Yeah, and low battery. And, like, nowadays, when you have, like, iPhones and, and newer devices, yeah, the maps are a lot better. You know, so a lot has changed since then. But you imagine, like, if you have low signal and your maps don't work, that you just don't know where to go. And I say the same thing with, like, cars with, like, uh, like your rear cameras and front cameras and then, like, lane departure warnings and um, proximity alarms. Those are intended to help drivers. It's not to replace the need of good driving. You still have to pay attention to what, what's going on around you. So, you know, if a car is speeding at you and could potentially hit you on, on either side of your car, you still need to be looking at your mirrors. You still have to be paying attention, you know, and not just rely on those warnings. Those warnings are additional. They complement what you do, but they're not supposed to replace what you do. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm backing out, so I'm only going to rely on the rear camera. No, you still have to look out your back window to make sure someone's not running across because that back camera only captures you know, the back vicinity of your car. It doesn't capture the kid that's running towards your car as you're backing up. So you have to, to still look out the mirror. And that and look, out, look at the mirror and also look out your rear view window. Same thing with, like, when you're making turns, you know, left or right turn. Don't just check the mirrors. Look over your shoulder, you know, to, just to be sure that, you know, there's not a bicyclist coming along your side and you're going to run into them. Same with opening doors. You know, once you're parked, opening a door, make sure you don't just fly your door out and hit the car next to you. Make sure if you're parked on a, on a side on a uh, on a street, you know, along the left or right edge, that you don't just swing your door open, you know, into a bike lane. You you have to pay attention. So all these you know these tools are to help us, but they're not meant to replace what you do. So you know that's important. Yeah, the other thing I want to touch on, you know, since this has been you know a lot about travel, is uh, you know each of the trips that I've been down to Florida to Orlando, my flight's been delayed. And I think I mentioned, like, when I was in Toronto, the flight got canceled, or maybe I didn't. So it's like, have you ever had, like, any, like, horror travel stories? Like, I remember one time getting on, and I won't talk about the airline, but on an airplane where you got on the airplane that had already been delayed, and it smelled like a bathroom until they turned the air conditioning on. And um, as soon as they turned the air conditioning on, the air was clean. And then once they turned it off and, and we were landed, it, like, smelled like the bathroom again. So it was, like, it was, like nasty. Right. I don't think I've ever had a really, really bad experience. I mean, outside of your regular delays, mm-hmm. sometimes it's been like hours of a de- delay, right? right. Um, I know flying out of Chicago, I've never left there earlier on right. time. It's always been delayed. Um, I think when I was in Brazil coming back, just mm-hmm. because the flights that you just had to transfer to, yeah. there were some delays there, and I forgot what had happened, but we had to recheck everything yeah you know uh our carry-ons and all that stuff mm-hmm. and go through security again just right. because they have to take you out but you have to go back in right. and there was no way for them just to escort you without right. having to go through that but i don't think i've had anything that's been so terrible yeah. where i'll be like oh my god that's traumatized me and yeah that's that's the big story of my life mm-hmm. uh for travel yeah i mean when when our flight got canceled in toronto now here here's the thing when you when you deal with international flights so we're in toronto we're coming back so we've already, yeah, so we're at the airport, Toronto Pearson, and we've already gone through, uh, at Toronto Pearson, they already have U.S. Customs there. 
So once you go through, you know, regular airport security and, you know, you have your bags checked and all that, and then you go through customs, it takes you through into the duty-free shop. So then you can buy stuff, you know, duty-free, and then you're technically, you're still in Toronto, but you're like on the U.S., uh, you've already cleared customs, so you're like good. So when your flight gets canceled in that situation, number one, if you purchase duty-free stuff, you have to return it because the rule is that, you know, you have to be flying out of the country with that duty-free stuff. You can't come back into the country because when your flight's been canceled, you're coming back into the country. So you've already cleared customs. You've gone through all this stuff. You're getting ready to leave the country. And so when your flight gets canceled, number one, if you bought anything from duty-free, you have to return everything. You can't take it out of the airport because you didn't pay taxes on it. You didn't pay duties on it. So you have to return all that stuff. Number two is that, yes, you cleared you know, customs, right? So they're technically bringing you back into the country. And they have to escort you a special route to get back you know, in. So you're still in the airport, but just on the back on the other side. And then you have to go through that whole process again. And so um, you know, the other thing also is that when your flight's canceled due to weather, you don't get reimbursed for anything. So it's like literally they'll put you on another flight and, and you know, good luck with that. So that's unfortunate. So uh, that's where like travel insurance comes in. But like with any insurance, it's always a little, you know, a little bad because the idea is you have to put in all the claims, have all your receipts, and they cover only a certain amount depending on what your, what your travel insurance is. So, so it's hard. If you have like any of, like if you put charges like on like American Express, they have a certain amount of coverage depending on, you know, the class of card you have. Or like other cards, like if you have um, the uh, like Chase Sapphire, for example, those cards have certain coverage right. included in them. But otherwise, if you don't buy travel insurance and something like that happens, it's like you don't get reimbursed. Like if you have to now book another hotel stay for another two days, something like that, that's not reimbursable to you. And the airline won't do anything uh, for you in that case. Now, granted, you know, different situations um, may result in like uh, different things that the airlines may try to do. But like for our experience, it was simply, okay, this is something that is weather related. Nothing we can do about it. There's no reimbursement for it. The best uh, they do is, you know, we put you automatically on another flight. And in that case, like we were flying out, I think, on a Monday, and we didn't get to fly out until Wednesday. The good thing there was that we got to do a boat tour, which we didn't get to do at that point in time. So that was fine. Uh, the other thing you want to make sure when you get on a plane is keep that air on. Um, a lot of people like to turn off the air because it's cold. You know, bring, bring a sweatshirt, bring blanket, whatever you need. Uh, keep that air on because you want to circulate that air because otherwise that air is stale. And I always worry like someone starts to cough or something. And it, the funny thing is as soon as they close the door and we're ready to go, it's like all of a sudden, like a lot of people start coughing and sneezing. It's like, really? You know, it, well, it it's, it's probably that last puff of air where they slam the door so. shut. Because but it's sealed. I Maybe found like almost every in. flight. It's as soon as they say, like, we're, we're about to close the door and, and prepare to, to take off and whatever. It's like all of a sudden, <laughs> and like yeah. everyone's coughing and sneezing. It's like, okay. So I always, you know, as soon as I get on the plane, I make sure my air is, is on. Uh, there have been more and more articles now about um, the water on a plane. For example, like don't drink coffee, don't drink tea, because you don't know the source of the water um, from the airplanes, especially like if it's like international flights, you know, the quality of the water. Because I, I used to get coffee, yeah. you know, if I needed it, like if I'm asleep or whatever. So now I don't get coffee or tea. I just make sure I have like, you know, if it's water, it's I make sure they have bottled water. It's coming from bottled water. And then if, if it's drinks like soda, tea, you know, uh, like iced tea that's in a can, that it's that's sealed. 
um, coming back from Orlando, what was funny is on our plane, uh, they serve like um, refreshments and snacks, complimentary refreshments and snacks. So somehow, the um, when they were um, like handing everything out, they missed like four or five rows because the person doing the back started at like you know row twenty something, I guess, or seventeen, and the person doing it in the front stopped. It start started row thirteen and went back toward the front. So like rows like fourteen to uh, 17 or whatever the numbers were, um, they completely missed. And it's like, what? And uh, for the, for the beverages, and then they were bringing the snacks out. And so they got us and then they realized like, all these people don't have anything to drink. And it's like, they missed like, you know, several rows on both sides, you know, the entire rows. Like that was the uh, first, you know, I haven't seen that happen. Uh, so it was interesting that it was like, that made no sense. Cause I saw like the first person stop at 13. The other person was, way in the back it's like when are you guys going to get to ours and then when they start bringing the snacks out say like, oh you guys forgot us because you're not good normally they finish all the drinks and they do the snacks and it's right. like okay so so that was the weird thing and I, I was waiting for my snack because it's like um our flight had already been delayed for like two hours and so you know at that point in time you know we ate a little bit but it's like you know i, I would like a snack and something to drink and normally, once I clear security at the airport, I normally go to one of the shops and I buy a bottle of water and I keep it in my bag on my carry-on so that if I need water, I didn't, I forgot to do it this time. So I didn't have a bottle of water with me. And so as a result, I had nothing to drink. And so it's like, I was thirsty. I was waiting for, for a beverage. And it's like, there's no beverage. Uh, fortunately, they, they, they corrected it and, and they worked quickly to, to resolve that. So that was fine. But, uh, you know, it was strange. It was just, like, uh, very awkward. But I also get, you know, it was crazy because of all the flight delays. And we had bad, bad weather in Orlando. There was bad weather in New York. So they were just trying to get everyone to where they needed to go. But overall, you know, circling back, it, I mean, it was a fun trip. Definitely something that I needed and, and was good to be able to do at the end of the year. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the holidays, there's nothing like being in, in New York, especially if you've lived in the Northeast all your life that you want to celebrate the holidays here in the city. So did we get to anything that you want to talk about <laughs> or do was there anything else? Cause I feel like I've been talking most of this time. Well, I mean, this was more about, you know, the travel and everything yeah. like that. So, I mean, that's what you've been pretty much doing <laughs> more. I think, you know, towards the end of the year, I haven't really done too much of that. Right. Um, I think for me, my travels are probably going to be pushed into 2020. Well, right. obviously it will be. Yeah, <laughs> it will probably. Be. Right. Yeah. There aren't that many days left. But that, that's a choice that I made to push that over so right. I can get other things that I wanted to focus on this year. But um, no, I think that, that that covers our little travel end of the year slash yep. holiday. Yeah. It's, but, uh, uh, it has been great to, uh, you know, this will be for us, this is episode five. So we're thrilled to have been able, at least in 2019, to bring you five episodes of the podcast, the David and Ronald Show podcast. We are looking forward to doing much more in 2020 with brand new episodes, a lot more topics to talk about, a lot more things on our mind. We'll come back with more business talk, more finance talk, more technology talk, more entertainment, uh, pretty much anything that we want to talk about and we want to share. We're going we're gonna to bring it onto this podcast. So we thank you again for joining us, for listening to this podcast. You can, once again... You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Play Music. You can find us on Spotify. What was that? <laughs> I just put my headset into the microphone. 
I was trying to look at something and I just knocked my headset into the microphone. Okay, so we have a blooper moment as well. Okay, so what what was I saying? Okay, so let me say this again. We thank you for joining us on the David and Ronald Show podcast. Once again, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play Music, and also on Spotify. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. Please share the podcast. We really appreciate it. You can also find us on limbpodcasts.com. And thank you so much. We will see you again in 2020. Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy happy holidays and happy new year.